As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bible, open them up, turn them on to Luke chapter 2 today. So this month in my sermon series, The First Noel, I'm kind of dealing with the elephant in the room when it comes to Christmas. Uh, For many, instead of season's greetings, Christmas is a season of beating. (laughs) Instead of ho, 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 Christmas just feels like it's go, go, go. And so for a lot of people, I've found this to be true, you get to the end of Christmas, you got a lot of gifts, you gave a lot, you got to see family, you've done all the events of Christmas, but by the time New Year's ends, uh, you're kind of depressed. You feel actually empty inside. And, and for many people, and I would venture to guess most people, uh, the floor of the family gathering is covered with eggshells because you have to be really careful what you say and don't say. And at times you may just stop and say, how did family get to this point where you have to be so careful about everything? And I want you to realize that's not Christmas. That's that's a beatdown. Christmas is about good news. Christmas is about a hope that is greater than our fear. Christmas is about a a new way of living. It's about uh, promises that were made in eternity past that never end. Christmas is a distinctly Christian holiday. Christmas is that time of the year where believers all around the world, measuring billions in number, celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The good news that our gracious God intervened into our scene and took on flesh, that His Son was born to die as an atonement for our sins and crucified to rise as the portal to eternal life. Christmas. Christmas is a big deal. It's a big deal. And because it's such a big deal and because it can be a lot of fun, it has led over the years to a lot of FOMO, a lot of fear of missing out. And so people want to get in on Christmas. And so what's occurred is you have, you have this, this Christian holiday, and ultimately if you break down a holiday, what it is is a holy day, and you had other people begin to say, hey, that looks like fun, I, I want to get in on it. And over time, it's kind of morphed from a holy day into a payday. Now, this is where Christmas gets kind of tricky because we live in the real world and you've got to go to the work Christmas banquet. And I realize there are certain things you can and cannot say in certain environments around the world. And so, so you live in, in the real world and, and you want to be relevant and you want to have that spirit of giving and generosity as, as well. But if we chase the payday meanings of Christmas rather than the holiday meanings, in the end, you'll find Christmas empty. So journey with me today to Luke chapter 2. The scene is a hillside just outside of Jerusalem. It's nighttime, a cold, brisk evening, much like the morning which you experience today. And as you stand on the hills outside of Jerusalem, oft in the distance you can see the flickering torches that are on the high walls of the temple. 
In fact, your community believes that the temple is the center of the world. It is the area where all the action takes place. But there you are on the hillside. You see, often forgotten were the poor people. Those individuals that would work behind the scenes, that did all the work in order to make everything out front go. These people that were struggling to make it from day to day. You see, for the temple to have its sacrifices, it required spotless sheep. And that required that there were faithful servants who would raise and protect these sheep. And so night after night, month after month, year after year, the shepherds would eat dinner, say goodbye to their families, go out into the fields, and they would watch the sheep all night long. It was not a glorious job in any way. But then one night, a glorious thing occurred. Look at verse 8. The Scriptures say, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. What would, what would happen to you if you ever saw the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord? You'd be terrified, okay? Every time in Scripture you find that same thing happen. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Now, there are four things here, if you look at your scriptures, that I want you to notice that will help you to recapture the joy of Christmas. Look specifically at what the angels said to the shepherds in verse 10. Don't be afraid. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And there's four things that I want you to note here. Number one, don't be afraid. Number two, I have good news. Number three, it is good news of great joy. And number four, it's for all the people. So let's start with don't be afraid. What is it? What is it that you're afraid of today? What is in life that that you're scared? One of the major causes of fear is living where the shepherds live rather than where the angels sing. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, where the shepherds live, you have to worry about things like staying warm. These rebel sheep that get out of the herd. You have to worry about hungry wolves and heavy eyes. And you have bills to pay and you have children to raise and you have responsibilities to take care of and houses to maintain and where the shepherds live there's a lot of just mundane difficult activity but then there's where the angels sing you see the angels were focused on spiritual things one of the main reasons why we have fear and anxiety and struggle in life is because we spend all of our time focusing on the earthly things that we've never even developed our spiritual mind. 
But the angels proclaimed things like good news, hope, joy, salvation. How long has it been since you meditated and thought about things like what is joy and what is hope and what is salvation? These are the things in life that no one can take away because they are given to you through the generosity of our Lord and they are sustained in the strength of His love. You see, my friends, hope is greater than fear. But to find it, to find it, you've got to learn to let go of your earthly fears and grab a hold of your heavenly promises. And when you begin seeing things from the perspective of the spiritual mind, when you begin seeing things from heaven's vantage point, you begin to discover that hope is greater than fear. I see it play out over and over again. We get fearful when we live where the shepherds live. So what are you afraid of right now? What is it that woke you up early this morning, caused you not to be able to go back to sleep? What is it that gives you that anxious feeling in your stomach and you feel like everything's just churning there? What is it that causes you to feel lightheaded sometimes because it's like pressure is just pounding down upon you? What is it that causes you to feel as if you just can't breathe, as if everybody wants everything from you and you can never live up to their expectations? What is it that causes you to fear? Well, fear will lead to anxiety. But now listen to what the Bible says. It says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't miss this part. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You say, Celeste, is the Bible teaching me here that Whenever I'm anxious, I should pray. Yes, the Bible is teaching you here, whenever you're anxious, you should pray. You say, well, I pray and I get up and the problems that I started with are still there. You're missing out on the second part of the promise here. God says that when you come to me with that anxiety and you come to me in prayer, I will give you a peace that will sustain you through the circumstances. A peace that goes beyond even the things that you can understand. And that peace will guard your heart and your mind. You know where people want to attack you and make you afraid? They want to attack your heart and your mind. Attack your heart and your mind, and suddenly you're in the grip of fear instead of the grip of hope and faith. The Bible says that when you go to God in prayer, He guards your heart, He guards your mind, and He gives you a peace that you can't even, you can't even imagine. You know what? Fear, fear leads to hate. Whenever we're fearful, we stop loving one another, and what we begin to do is we isolate one another. So when we start getting fearful, it starts becoming, this is you, this is me, we're separated. And once you have isolated another person, once you have framed them that way, you quit seeing they're good. All you can see is their shortcomings. All you can see is, is their problems. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, dear friends, 
Let us love one another. Why? Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows it. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. And why do we love? We love because He first loved us, the passage says. When did God start loving you? When you cleaned up your act? The Scriptures say that while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated His love and that He died on the cross for our sins. He loved you before you ever loved Him. And because He loved you in that way, it drives us also to extend love to the unlovable. Fear will lead us backwards in life. Here's what happens when you get fearful. You run to what's familiar. I call it retreating to the stained glass monasteries. You retreat back inward and you quit looking forward and if you're not careful, you'll abandon faith and you'll start becoming the champion of safe. But here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. So does faith look forward or backwards? Talk to me. Forward. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. Later on in the chapter, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then if you continue reading the chapter, the writer begins to praise person after person after person who lived his or her life with faith and trusted God. Fear is not the message of Christmas. Jesus did not come. He did not live and die for you to live your life uptight, angry, and in the past. And so the angels say to the shepherds, don't be terrified. Do not fear because we are here to bring you good news. You say, well, what is the good news? The good news is the gospel. If we have Romans 1.16, put it on the screen up here for me. We talked about this last week in detail, and you can go back and hear that message on Facebook or on, on the website. But the Scriptures say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. That word gospel literally means good news. So when the angels are proclaiming good news, it is connected to the gospel. You say, well, what is the gospel? To help you understand the gospel, think of Jesus. Because Jesus is the heart and soul of the gospel. The gospel is ultimately who Jesus is. He is the eternal Son of God, the one who always was, is, and always will be. And that eternal Son of God took on flesh. And then what did the Son of God do? He lived among us. We all live with a sin nature. We all find ourselves doing things that we should not. But the eternal Son of God lived life in a sinless fashion. And He died on the cross for your sins and mine. And He overcame death, rising again, so that He might extend eternal life to all who believe. That's the gospel. 
And the scriptures say we should never be ashamed of it because it can go cross-culturally. It spans time. It spans, it spans geography. Never back away from the gospel. Why? Because it's God's power for salvation. Whenever you believe in the gospel, you find forgiveness of your sins, you find purpose for your present, and you find hope for your future. The gospel is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. The initial response to the gospel is that we believe. Jesus calls us simply to believe in him. And so the angels proclaim that they have good news, and that good news is the gospel. Now let's recap so far. We're trying to reclaim the joy of Christmas, and it begins by understanding that We don't need to be afraid. Secondly, we realize that we have good news. But then thirdly, I want you to take note that you have good news of great joy. Now usually, whenever we get good news, it's good news of great moment, not good news of great joy. Usually the good news that we talk about is something good that has happened for a moment, and it will eventually, eventually go away. Let me illustrate. Right now, we have good news. The Cowboys are on a four-game winning streak. Amen? Okay? And, and I think they're going to win another six games or so, and they're going to bring the Super Bowl back to Dallas where it belongs. Amen? Yeah, all right. So crowd's waking up now that I'm talking about Dallas here. Okay, Cowboys here. So I, I think that's going to happen. I, I have confidence in that and, and all this. However, as good news as that would be, it would be good news of great moment. Because eventually, they are going to lose. Eventually, the moment's going to pass, and what was good is going to go away. And you'll go back to griping and complaining about the coaching and all that kind of stuff. Good news. Here's good news of the moment. The sermon's almost over. Okay? And some of you have lunch planned today, and you have exciting plans for lunch. You think, hey, I'm going to go to Whataburger. Mike and John over here, they work at Whataburger, so, so you're going to go to Whataburger. You know, this part of the sermon's brought to you by Whataburger, conveniently located at 544 in Murphy. Anyway, uh, so, so you think, okay, I'm going to have Whataburger for lunch today, and you're going to get yourself a big, delicious, Texas-sized Whataburger, and you're going to eat that, and whenever that's all finished, you're going to be like, oh, that was good news. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that good news the preacher talked about today. And you're going to feel satisfied, but it's good news of great moment. Why? Because in about three hours, two okay, 30 minutes later, you're going to be hungry again, wanting to eat again. You see, most of the time, what we talk about is good news of great moment. It comes for a season, and then it leaves as quickly as it comes. If you live your life for good news of great moment, your life is going to be like, a ride, like riding the Texas giant all the time. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. You're going to have times where you're holding on for dear life. You're going to have times where you're going like, Mama, help me. You know, I mean, it's going to be rough. But the angels did not promise good news of great moment. The angels promised good news of great joy. And joy is something much more meaningful. 
Joy is something that is anchored in the eternal promises of God. Thursday was one of those really long days in life. Anybody ever had those really long days? Yeah, I got up early. I had a big to-do list to do. So I, I spent all morning and early afternoon just checking off those lists. And then left the church, went to the house, and I picked up my daughters because we were going to go to Fort Worth. We're going over to the seminary there, and we had some events to attend there. So, so we hop in the car, and it's raining, it's cold, it's an hour drive over there. We're leaving at 3, so we're beating traffic. Two and a half hours later, we arrive. Glory, you know, and that, that was good. Yeah, it gets you in a good mood, right, after sitting in traffic for two hours. And so then we go to one of those, those dinners. It was kind of a formal dinner, one of those where you have to pick which of the four forks is the right one to use. At the t- you always start from the outside and work in is what I've learned there. And, and the thing with those formal dinners, you know, you have to sit up straight and you have to talk to people that you don't normally talk to. And I've got two grade schoolers with me the whole time hoping that they don't, like, pour everything on their lap or on the floor and stuff. So we go through the formal dinner, and then we go to this Christmas uh, musical, and I thought it'd be about an hour and a half, and it turned out to be about three hours. And so we get back in the car, and we drive back over to to home. And, and so we, we arrive home, and we're like, okay, girls, let, let's go to bed. And so everybody gets dressed for bed, and I go into my, my bedroom. I've got my jammies on and everything, and I, I get in bed. And, you know, there's nothing like getting in bed on a cold December night after a long, hard day. You ever had that experience? You're just like, <laughs> you just kind of just bring the sheets up. And, oh, this is awesome. You know, I, I, I'm so comfortable here. Joy is the warm, cozy bed in which the good news finds rest. That good news climbs into great joy, and it pulls the covers up over it, and it's like, oh, this is great. Because joy differs from happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is found in the eternal promises of a good and gracious God. And God promises us things that lead us to hope that this life is not all that there is, that the present sufferings of this world are but temporary, and that there is a God that is in control. And when we think about the Christmas story, it testifies to the fact that we have a sovereign God. We have a God who is in complete control. I think of John chapter 1 when it talks about, in the beginning was the Word. All things were created by, by Him, and through Him everything that is was, is sustained. And then the light shined into the darkness. Centuries had passed since the creation, and so much darkness had flooded into the world. But when Christ was born, it was a reminder that the God who created the world was still in control of the world. And he shined the light into the world so that we might have good news of great joy. And that joy leads you to hope. Leads you to hope. You see, to seize the joy of Christmas... You have to grab hold of a hope that is greater than fear. Jesus came to bring the good news of great joy to all people. And whenever we truly understand the gospel, it releases us from anxiety. It drains us of anger and it propels us into a glorious future that is full of faith, 
hope and love. Hope, my friends, is found where the angels sing. And when you find that hope, suddenly keeping the fire burning and fighting wolves and herding sheep and trying to stay awake, it's not that important anymore. When you find that hope, when you find that joy, it motivates you to leave that behind and pursue Christ and the things that really matter. When you found that hope, it allows you to bring purpose back into the mundane. And I want you to know something today. It's going to be okay. I want you to know it's going to be okay. You say, Lash, well, how, how do you know that? Because I know that in the beginning, God created. And I know that your life is not an accident. And that God, the God who created you, has a purpose for you. The God who brought together this church has a purpose for us. The God who brings people to this community has a purpose for this community. And I fully believe that whenever our God determines something, that it will not be thwarted. And there are some things in life that our God has determined. And Christmas reminds us of those things. God chose not to leave you in darkness. God chose not to leave you wandering aimlessly. He chose to bring light to your path, hope to your future, forgiveness to your past, meaning to your present. And so the angels remind us this morning, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior is born, Messiah, who is Messiah the Lord. He was born for you in the city of David. Now one final thing. The good news is for you. The good news is for all the people. It's not for some. It's not for a few. It's not for the ones that look like you. It's not for just the ones that speak the same language as you. Vote like you. The good news is for all the people. These shepherds were nobodies. We don't even know their name. They're in all the nativity scenes and nobody knows their name. If you ever find a named shepherd, it's made up. Because you don't find their names in the Bible. They're, they're nobodies. They were just living their quiet life. But the angels came to them and said, Hey, I want you to know there's, there's good news. Christmas is not just a story from the past. It's a gift for the present. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I want to invite you this morning. There's never been a time in your life when you've trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord to make this your moment. Last week I invited the church to do that and Two people within our congregation trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord. And I wonder if today's your moment. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please? We come to this time, I, it's between you and God, and I ask, has there ever been a time in your life where you truly believed in Christ Jesus? You say, Lash, I want to make this my moment. I want to make this my time of salvation. I don't really know what to say or what to do. Just call out to God with sincerity in your heart 
And you might say something like this, Heavenly Father, I ask your forgiveness for the things that I have done that are wrong. And this morning, I am believing in Jesus Christ and I am trusting in Christ as my Savior and my Lord. And I'm asking that you will make this my moment of salvation. Lord, help me to change from the inside out and to follow Christ with all my heart. Pray that in Jesus' name. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if, you, if today is your moment where you trusted in Christ for the first time, I would love to know. I, I want to be a pastor to you. I want to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and that, that is just to look up at me until I can make eye contact. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. But if this was your moment where you prayed to receive Christ, would you just look up at me? Let me make eye contact with you. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you as believers in Jesus Christ. And I ask that you might drain us of anxiety. Help us, Lord, not to live with anger sitting in our hearts. Lord, help us to love one another, not isolate each other. Help us, Father, to be able to see the good in each other. And in those areas where we fall short, we're not where we need to be, help us to be an encourager that brings one another up in love. Lord, I pray that we will live our lives in faith, May we, may we never settle for the sandbox when you desire for us to have the beach, for the pond when you desire for us to have the ocean. Lord, may we always learn from our past, but may we never live in our past. May we be men and women of faith. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, I pray that you will help us to find Christmas to experience that good news, to have true peace, to have true joy, and to have a hope that is greater than our fear. Lord, we pray this and we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.